This is the Foot in the Box podcast for the week of Monday, July 3rd. And now, please rise for the singing of our Welcome to episode 100 of the Foot in the Box podcast. My name is Peter Elliott. And I'm Paul Elliott. Well, Paul, we have made it. Yeah, it's crazy to believe. Triple digits. So this is our 100th episode of the podcast. Uh, this is our third year of podcasting. We are a weekly uh, baseball program from Champaign, Illinois. Uh, is there anything you would like to say before we dig into the content of this week's episode? Uh, I don't have any prepared statements, uh, but I, I would at the outset, I don't do this ever on the podcast. I would like to acknowledge publicly that, um, that Peter has done the lion's share of the work of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So this 100th, uh, episode that phrase come from lion's share. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you're distracting me. No, the lion, like the lion does his share compared to like what other animals that's a great question but uh pete has done a majority of the work mm. uh, for the podcast uh, getting us rolling these past three years so i feel like this celebration should be dedicated to you mm. and, and all the accolades and praise that uh, we probably won't get online should be directed at you as well, well I would so like, thank, thank you for the last three years thanks for carrying the podcast i appreciate that i would like to deflect all praise to first god <laughs> he makes all things possible. Uh, number two, my parents. Nice. Also, your parents. Our older brothers, John and Kevin, who uh, occasionally listen to the program. Yeah. Occasionally are on the program. Mm-hmm. Some correlation there between when they listen and when they're on. Uh, to our uh, loyal listeners, David from Chicago, Josh from uh, Minneapolis, uh, Scott from now Iowa, Matt from Rochester. Yes. So many, any, so many others. Yes. Any, any other loyal listeners that you'd like to, to give a shout out to? Kate has recently become a loyal listener. She's listened in the last three weeks, I think. But yeah, I think that, that about does it. Yeah. So thank you to all the listeners out there. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, this week's episode is a pretty simple premise. We are listing off our 100 favorite things about baseball. And uh, like I shared on Twitter... I really hope this is a resource for uh, baseball fans to provide to their uh, friends and family that maybe are on the fence about baseball or have no interest, but are open maybe to to liking baseball. So you can say, hey, you know, give baseball a shot. Here's 100 things that these two guys <laughs> that I may or may not know like about baseball, and then give it a give it a shot. Yeah. So that's. I hope if my kids don't like baseball, I hope to to have them listen to this and then see if that works. Yeah, I think this will kind of be uh, a hallmark podcast for us mm. as much as we would like to believe that we'll be podcasting for the next 25 years. That's probably not the case. So this will be a cool one to look back on uh, in like five or 10 years. Absolutely. All right. Uh, before we begin, I would like to say I've had a lot of fun, Paul, and I uh, appreciate you doing this with me. Yeah, you're welcome. Like I said, appreciate all you've done to get us started. If it were, Paul, ju- there's, there's no need to cry. <laughs> if it were just up to me every week, uh, the podcast would look much, much different. 
How would it look different? Well, I think about one out of every four, maybe one out of every three would just be canceled. <laughs> and uh, I think we'd probably be like shooting them on our iPhones. And uh, yeah, just uh, professionalism that you add would, would be void. Well, let's get to it. Uh, so we've, we've broken down our favorite uh, 100 things in baseball. We each came up with a list of about 50 ourselves and then uh, did our best to kind of cross-check and cancel off the ones that are duplicates and then came up with some additional ones. So we hope to give 100 unique uh, favorite things about baseball, 100 reasons why baseball is great. And we broke them down into four different categories. The first one is uh, baseball broadly. So kind of baseball with a capital B as an institution. Why, why is the game of baseball great? Two is uh, gameplay. So like things within baseball, within the indiv- uh, individual games. Uh, baseball is a game. Why is why is baseball great? Three is players or personalities within the game, mm-hmm. and then the last one is miscellaneous. So the the biggest categories will probably be the first one and the last one, um, and we're going to do them in the order that I listed them. So baseball broadly, and then gameplay, and then uh, players, players, personalities, and then lastly, miscellaneous. So first, let's start with baseball broadly. So baseball is great because. You want to kick us off, Paul? Sure. Uh, I think one of the main reasons that I love baseball, uh, this might be near the top, is that there's just so much uh, to explore. There's so much going on on any, on any given play. Um, you know, if you don't uh, pay attention to a specific team or player, uh, you'll miss so much. You know, for example, if you just look at the top 20 players in war this year, there are a handful of guys that a casual fan that has never heard of guys like Zach Cozart or uh, Logan Morrison, guys like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even if I had an experience a few years back where I was out of the country for uh, two months on a mission trip, came back and I just felt like it was a, like a foreign baseball environment to me. So like there's just so much that happens and uh, so much to explore in any given season. All right. So I've got a pen and a piece of paper here. I'm going to mark them down as we go. So we, we get to a hundred. It's very important to me that it's 100 exactly. <laughs> All right, so that first one was so much to explore. Yes. Paul was outside the country on a mission trip. <laughs> Moral of that story. Uh, for me, my number one reason why baseball is great is because there is a unique personal relationship between the fan and the sport. On the podcast, uh, we're going to make some claims about baseball's uniqueness. And it's not to say that uh, like basketball and football and hockey and golf and tennis and whatever – aren't great sports, but uh, I really do feel like there's some unique things about baseball. So this is one for me. Uh, certainly, like, football fans have a relationship with the sport. That's why they're football fans. But I think there's a unique personal relationship uh, that every baseball fan has. They can remember where they were when certain things happen. Um, they remember certain things about growing up with the game. When they're at a game, something happened that was close to them. Certain things like that that are unique to them that other fans of the same team might not remember. So for me, uh, my personal relationship with the game, I remember growing up playing catch with my dad uh, in our backyard. I remember uh, loving uh, pitching in high school. That was like my favorite thing about high school is is pitching. Uh, I remember beating Princeton, our high school rival, to win uh, our school's only regional baseball championship at that point or since. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, only one in like, what, 25 years Mm -hmm. of existing. 
that was a, a huge upset and one of my favorite uh, memories of baseball in general. I remember as a Cubs fan, watching Kerry Wood strike out 20 batters his rookie year. Uh, Brant Brown dropped the fly ball <clears throat> in 98. Ron Sano had a heart attack. Yep. Uh, I remember rushing to the car after football practice in junior high to see if the Cubs won uh, the the Steve Bartman game I was at. I was in center field with mm-hmm. mom, dad, and grandpa. Um, so that is a very memorable Cubs moment for me. Remember following them in college. Uh, I actually remember where I was when Lou Pinella retired, hmm. so moving into my dorm sophomore year. Uh, remember where I was when uh, Cubs got Theo Epstein. Remember following the Cubs in 2013 when I went through a breakup. Uh, they were a source of hope during that uh, dark period. Remember Chris Bryant's walk-off against the Rockies in 2015. Remember the Cubs beating the Cardinals in the 2015 playoffs. I was at Game 3 where... The Cubs hit a record, six home runs. Mm-hmm. Of course, the World Series run in 2016 is the biggest one, and that includes being at Game 6 of the NLDS when they beat the Dodgers to go to the World Series. So all of that is just unique to me. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, You're going to have a very different personal relationship with baseball. We might share some of it growing up. Um, even like me versus Kevin as a Cubs fan, we would have a different, I think, like personal relationship with the game. Yeah, that's really good. A very long-winded way to say my favorite thing about baseball is its personal relationship between the fan and the sport. Yeah, number two? Yes. Uh, Got to speed it up here. On to number three, uh, unifying force in our family. Um, If baseball hadn't existed, I think we would still be a tight-knit family. But uh, baseball has just provided this really unique um, bond between us as brothers uh, also, you know, you mentioned Grandpa going, you know, going to the Bartman game with him in 2003. Just remember that always being kind of a source of conversation between him and something that you could talk about maybe if you didn't have a ton in common. So for us personally, it's just provided a, a really unique bond for our family. I'm going to build off that one and say baseball and family in general, uh, similar to what you're saying, but more just broadly that I think baseball is a, a really unique thing. Uh, for families to to bond over, especially fathers and sons. We've talked about that in the podcast with Will Leach and then last week, Mike Lurie. Mike Mike last week said that uh, he thinks the pace of the game is good for conversation. Mm -hmm. So that makes it good for fathers and sons. Uh, Shared experiences, you know, sharing the successes and failures of your team or um, if you're playing the game, you know, sharing uh, successes and failures of your son or with your dad together is uh is good so that's mine that's four so five i'll snake it i'll say the ballpark is one of my favorite things the colors the sounds the uniqueness all of it makes it makes it great and then we have a uh our first listener submitted um favorite thing to add in here our brother john says that the grandeur of major league stadiums is his favorite thing about the game and he says he remembers walking in two ballparks as a kid and it almost felt magical Way better than Disney, hmm. which he's never been to. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I think the variety in stadiums is just amazing. You know, most uh, NBA and NFL arenas are somewhat boilerplate, somewhat the same. Dimensions are at least the same, but mm-hmm. even baseball, you know, like outfield walls and, you know, how far it, it takes to hit a home run, all that is different. I think that just provides a, a really um, amazing experience. Yep, I have a Mount Rushmore of uh, ballparks because it's Mount Rushmore season, mm-hmm. as discussed last week. Uh, Wrigley, Fenway, 
PNC in Pittsburgh and then uh, AT&T in San Francisco are my top four. Yeah, I think I... Dodger Stadium would be my fifth. One thing you didn't mention, um, uh, ballpark food. Mm. I think it also ties into... You got a, you got a Mount Rushmore ballpark food? Uh, I just went yesterday to Guaranteed Rate. Um, that did not make my Mount Rushmore of stadiums. Uh, yeah. Um, I will say hot dog with onions and nachos. Just regular nachos with cheese and then like a some sort of ice cream dish. I'll go like a ice cream cone. There's that's three. I gotta come up with a fourth. Um, popcorn. All right. Um, number six, baseball's constancy. Uh, it's just always there. You know, April through the end of October. Um, no matter what's going on in the country, in the world, in your own life, it's just always there. In in America's history, through prosperity or depression. Uh, wartime, peacetime, baseball always happens. And then even uh, in your own life, no matter what you're going through, uh, it's it's always there, especially during hard times. Personally, I have found that it's just a, a reliable friend. It kind of takes your mind off of any, any bad thing that you're going through. Yep, I agree. And I think uh, one of the moments that I think of uh, off the bat when you talk about baseball and hardship is the time right after 9-11. Mm-hmm. And I think we actually have our first audio clip um, this is Harry Callis, Phillies broadcaster, legendary. Uh, he's in the Hall of Fame, uh, sharing uh, his perspective before the first uh, Phillies game, right after 9-11. From the cradle of liberty, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Do we have closure? No. No, the heinous acts of terrorism last Tuesday will be with us for as long as we all shall live. We have earned a greater respect and love for the men and women of our fire departments, our police departments, our emergency rescue squads. We are all Americans and we are proud to be Americans. And we must never resort to the thinking that created Tuesday's acts of terrorism. They were born of hatred. We as individuals, we as a nation must never hate. More than ever before, we must stand together and live by his words love one another here at veterans stadium we see various various displays of nationalism and patriotism and let us always remember that above all else love one another love thy brother yes baseball will go on it won't be the same it'll be a long time before it's the same but sports has always been a diversion from our everyday problems and in this case, from a national tragedy. Our thoughts and prayers and our hearts go out to the families and to the friends of the victims of the tragedy of September 11, 2001. The color guard is now coming up on the field. We see waves of people here at Veterans Stadium standing united regardless of race, color, religion, or creed. We're all together as members of the United States of America. Uh, Up to number seven now, one of the things that I love about baseball is that it's complex to understand as an observer. And I think um, about all of the uh, general managers and president of baseball ops now that have Harvard degrees, and even for many of them, maybe most of them, everyone but Theo Epstein, 
uh, baseball is still a hard thing to understand, still a hard thing to grapple with. <laughs> like, Cubs are 41 and 41, so. I think they'll be all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you know, I touched on earlier, it's just so much going on in every single play or every season and uh, always something that, you know, you can glean or pick up or study in any given game. Well, I think the Theo thing is a good point, though. Like, Theo would be the one guy you would think has it all figured out. Mm-hmm. And then the Cubs are like the most average team in baseball this right. year. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, that was a good one. Number eight. Uh, I'll go baseball's great history. I think baseball's history is also the history of America. And Ken Burns has the documentary series um, on that that I could watch all day. But baseball has been around a long time. So it just it covers the history of America better than other sports. Um, the first professional league was uh, developed in 1876, the National League. First World Series was played in 1903, whereas the NBA, the first NBA Finals was 1947, and then the first Super Bowl was 1967. Hmm. So those um, NBA, NFL are, are two recent kind of inventions, whereas baseball has been around for you know 150 years um, now. So there's just so much to, to cover there. But um, yeah, baseball has a great, great history. Yeah, going off that, uh, up to number nine now, I think the the fact that the Hall of Fame matters and is actually a source of debate and conversation, even as players are, are playing, just speaks to how important the history is. So uh, to summarize, number nine for me <laughs> is that the Hall of Fame is important and significant. That's good. Uh, number 10, still in kind of the general baseball category. Uh, it's hard to casually like baseball. I think that's a good thing that I enjoy. Uh, you're exposed very quickly if you try to fake liking baseball. One, you're just not going to pay attention very long. Like You're going to think it's boring if you don't mm-hmm. really like baseball. And number two, uh, lack of hot takes. Like There's just not enough interest for the casual fan to, to get real hot takey. And I'm completely fine right now with uh, the NFL and NBA getting all the hot takes from the skip Bayless of the world while baseball kind of operates in its own little niche. Uh, another thing in this general category for me is, uh, that baseball games aren't a production. Uh, and it, you know, I hate to keep comparing baseball games to you know, NBA NFL games, but, uh, I feel like largely the game speaks for itself. Yes. You have like the sausage races and the president races and, you know, find the ball under the hat on the scoreboard. But all that is done uh, outside of the actual gameplay. Whereas in the NBA, you have you know constantly pumping in of uh, like artificial artificial music, PA announcer, and all of that. So I, I just feel like the game itself kind of stands alone when mm-hmm. you when you actually go to a ballpark as opposed to other sports. You know the organ music. That's not a production. I would say that um, that doesn't distract you at all from the actual gameplay. I agree. All right, uh, next one for me: baseball on the radio. Uh, I will cry when Pat Hughes dies. That's like a legitimate thing. I have spent so much time with him in my car um, or even at my house listening to him describe Cubs baseball to me. Uh, does a tremendous job. So he's great. Uh, there's great rhythm to baseball on the radio. Yep. Like you kind of get used to it in a car ride. You can, you can think uh, for maybe 20 seconds. There's a pitch, and then you're thinking or, or listening, and then there's another pitch. It's just like the back and forth um, the rhythm to it, I, I love. Um, I also love um, turning on the radio, not knowing the score, and trying to judge based on the the tone or the conversation if uh, if your team is winning or losing. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, and I 
for number 12, I'd say that baseball and like the style and pace of play and it being great for radio makes the sport a great companion for life. You know, you'll get the question a lot, like there's a baseball game, you know, like every night, how, how can you watch three hours of content every night? And I think the answer to that for a lot of us is that we just weave it into our lives. So if you're doing errands or you're at the house, you just have it on in the background. Um, and that's not to say it's boring or you're not paying attention, but it just the the style of the game fits into your life more so than other sports. Yep. Uh, number 13, I'll say the, the pace of the game. Uh, so this is not uh, anti-pitch clock or anti-speeding up the game, um, but it's just to say the pace of baseball is something I very much enjoy. Uh, again, similar to what I was talking about with, with the rhythm of baseball on the radio, of the, the buildup between pitches, there's just something to the pace uh, of the game. And even, uh, even um, like in high school, where the games go by much faster, the pace is, is still something that I uh, enjoy about the game. Another thing I love is the uh, variety of ways in which a player can seek success. So, for instance, you have uh, you know pitchers who throw 100 miles per hour and have maybe like an average slider, versus pitchers who have you know five different pitches but top out in the mid 80s. Same thing with batters. Yeah, you, you know, you have a guy like Tony Gwynn who can hit any pitch to any field, or you have like a Hall of Famer like Ken Griffey Jr. who looks for a fastball loan and then he can pull to right. So it's just, you know, these amazing players that are approaching the game in such different ways. Uh, number 15, there's no time limit. So the only other sports I could think of that don't have a time limit, uh, tennis, uh, chess, and golf. Uh, so baseball, no time limit. That means that there's always a chance to come back in a game. You're never, you're never out of it. You always have a chance to perform and get back in a game uh, no matter the score. Number 16 for me, uh, the general reach of professional baseball is amazing. The The fact that every major league team has three to four minor league teams in cities across America means that you have literally over 100 teams just um, you know sprinkled across the country in big cities, small cities, even when you start talking about like semi-pro or independent league teams, just the, the number of uh, options that are available mm-hmm. is, is pretty astounding. Yep, and that's not even factoring in like college, right? College teams, high school yep. teams. Last few here for the the general baseball category. Number seventeen is uh, uh, baseball being a generational sport, so passing the game on to youngsters. Uh, I've coached now two baseball teams in my life, and uh, it's just a, a, a real delight to see younger kids uh, learn to enjoy baseball. Number eighteen for me. Uh, overlapping fan bases. So you talk about like, you know, we're in uh, central Illinois Champaign and you have uh, Cubs fans, Cardinals fans, a few Sox fans. Uh, and then, you know, even you get in cities like Chicago or New York where you have neighboring houses could root for different teams. And I think that's a really unique thing and, and pretty fun. My last one for uh, overall baseball, the numbers. And this is a big one for me. I'm just a huge numbers fan. So standings I love, box scores I love. Um, the records in baseball. So I've got another Mount Rushmore of baseball records, my favorites. Uh, DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak. Uh, Ted Williams being the last hitter to hit 400. It was 1941. Uh, 20 strikeouts in a game done by uh, Roger Clemens twice, Kerry Wood once, and Max Scherzer once. And then last one, the scoreless inning streak of 59 by Oral Hershiser. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd probably throw in uh, Nolan Ryan's seven no-hitters. That's always been pretty astounding yep. to me. Yep. But I, actually, Nate Silver calls it like one of the, the richest data sets um, of anything that he's uh, dug into. Yeah, um, and and uh, listener David has an uh, input here. He says um, one of his favorite things is just that stats go back so far, back to 1880. We have you know lots of data on, so that's that's a really cool part of baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 20, rounding out, uh, we're one fifth of the way through. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, the fact that um, with baseball, you you really can't hide your weaknesses. This goes for everyone involved: players, announcers, management, fans. The number of games, the fact that it's every day and it's a grind means that sooner or later, like your true knowledge and your true performance is going to come through. You know, a player might start off the season batting 350 like Avi Garcia, but by the end of the season or certainly by the end of his career, uh, his true performance is going to come through. All right. Um, Well, that rounds out the um, just general baseball category, our first 20. So uh, pause it if you need a break. Uh, we're going to move on to gameplay next, and I'll start us off here. Uh, so a couple I'll hit on right away. Uh, the feel of the bat in your hands, and then also the feel of the baseball in uh, in whichever hand you throw with. Uh, two of my favorite things about baseball. No, uh, no description needed there. Yep, those are good. Uh, number 23 for me is the intensity of uh, late game situations mm. uh, when games matter. And the most vivid example that I can think of, even though I'm not a Cardinals fan, is 2011, Game 6 of the World Series. Uh, Cardinals are down by two with uh, two outs in the ninth inning, and David Fries comes to bat. The 1-1. Strike two. And now the Rangers are one strike away. Joe Buck had a cold there. Uh, cold, Sim- cold. Similar to me right cold now. Cold or uh, horse from an amazing game. Or the, the hair plugs. <laughs> I'll build off that one. Ninth inning comebacks when you're losing. So some that I think of. Uh, Chris Bryant, like I mentioned earlier, the, the Rockies walk-off home run, very important in 2015. His rookie season kind of cemented him uh, with the Cubs. Uh, the Red Sox in 2004, they were losing game four. And I had a ninth inning comeback to win that game and then win the whole ALCS. Uh, and then Kurt Gibson in uh, 1988, game one of the World Series. Sacks waiting on deck, but the game right now is at the plate. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! In a year that has been so improbable. 
improbable, the impossible has happened. That's a great one. Uh, 25, I love the mind games that can go on in between a pitcher and a batter. When you have two guys that both are really into the at-bat and it matters, I just love those types of situations. You know, I think of Zobris going up against uh, Zach McAllister in the World Series last year, uh, lacing a double down the left field line. Uh, that's, got, the, that's the first hitter, batter, comma, or batter, pitcher, comma, the, you think? The, the second one I thought of uh, <laughs> earlier this week, uh, Carl Edwards Jr. throws mm. five straight fastballs to Anthony Rendon. Can't catch up to any of them. Finally, on the fifth one, hits a huge two run homer. So, just those types of guessing games and, you know, it's the pitcher's strength versus the batter's weakness or vice versa. All that is fascinating to me. Two of my favorite things uh, when playing baseball, hitting the outside corner with a fastball when I was pitching. There's just nothing like painting the black uh, as a pitcher. And then uh, as a hitter, hitting a line drive in the opposite field gap. Uh, going first to third uh, with one out on a base hit. So I didn't do this much as a player because I wasn't <laughs> very fast, but... Uh, watching the game, you know, runner on first, one out, you got something going, but definitely not like a rally or like a big inning or anything like that. And then if you get a single or like a hit and run, uh, getting the guy to third with one out obviously is a big deal because you can get him in with a sack fly or mm-hmm. a ground ground out. So just that risk, uh, testing the outfielder's arm, and even like when you're at second, the, the decision to go for it. Uh, like there's no turning back, just – you know, all out, go for it, the head first, slide in the third, um, and then usually the guy's pumped up uh, when he gets to third if it's a close play. And then also for the outfielder, like, oh, he's testing me, right. I'm going to release the cannon, especially for a, a right fielder or maybe like a center fielder um, in the right center gap. Hmm. Yeah, I like both those. Uh, I always think of Ichiro's throw from right field to, to third base Yep, in his first game. Reason 28. <laughs> I love when uh, batters specifically get their job done, and everyone knows what their job is. So a couple examples, runner on second, nobody out. Uh, the batter hits the ball to the right side to get the runner over to third base. Or there's a runner on third with less than two outs. Guy hits a fly ball to get a guy in. Or you know, laying a bunt down if you're a pitcher. You know, when, when the pitcher knows and everyone knows watching what they're trying to do and they can still uh, get their job done. I'll build off that. Uh, a well-executed suicide squeeze is uh it's pretty awesome nothing you can do as a defense when um they, a well-executed squeeze happens suicide squeeze yep and joe madden loves them more than anyone i think uh part of the gameplay of baseball that i love reason 30 is that uh you're, you're guaranteed if you have a star pitcher on the mound and a star batter you're guaranteed to see them bat or face each other at least four times you know if you go to an nba game and lebron and KD are facing each other it might be rare that they guard one another, or mm. you can think of another example. But if uh, you know you have John Lester going up against Bryce Harper, you know you're going to see that uh, encounter at least three or four times. A common knock against baseball, though, is you're not guaranteed to see a star perform well if you go to a game. Sure, but you're countering that and saying, "Hey, at least you see two guys go against each other." Right. Yeah, and if they don't, if they're not performing well, that might be because of the pitcher on the mound. It's mm. good. A couple quick ones. In gameplay for me, uh, bunts against the shift. Just nothing better than seeing a bunt uh, from a sl- lefty slugger and it just going into a wide open, mm-hmm. uh, grassy infield. Another one, uh, home runs that leave the park. So, of course, this doesn't happen at every park, but uh, some ones that I, I uh, enjoy seeing balls fly out of uh, AT&T, 
with Bonds hitting him into the mm-hmm. kayaks. Uh, Wrigley Field, of course, tons of home runs uh, hit out of the park, including Glen Allen Hills home run on top of the building across mm-hmm. the street. Uh, PNC in Pittsburgh. Uh, Cincinnati, I think, also has a river beyond the, the right field fence. And then uh, Fenway, of course, over the monster and then um, next to that sit-go sign. That's all I've got for gameplay. You got anything else? Um, let's see here. Um, have one from listener, David. Uh, he said a couple of his favorites uh, for gameplay, uh, backdoor curveballs. He was a lefty pitcher, so I can see that. And then uh, walk-off hits, which I also agree with and which we talked about with um, comebacks. So that's 34 to close us out here on gameplay. Robbing a home run. Mm. Uh, nothing better than taking a ball um, back. Or I guess it's nothing worse than uh, watching your team have a ball taken back. But the the guys that did it best in center field over the years, uh, just legendary uh, home run robbery. And uh, one of my favorites is Ken Griffey Jr. High ball into deep left center field. Griffey going back to the one track. Leaps high in the air. And he's got it. An incredible catch by the kid. He takes away a home run from Jesse Barfield climbing the wall in left center field in Death Valley here at Yankee Stadium. Look at Barfield. He's stunned. He's standing there with his hands on his head. I don't believe it. Holy All right, so we've gotten to 35 out of 100. Hopefully the last 65 go a little faster. <laughs> Next category is player slash personalities. Uh, and I can just write all these off. My top 10 players of all time. And each one of these is a reason? Yes. Okay. And this is you know subject to change as I grow older. But right now, as I talk, my, my top 10. Mike Trout, Clayton Kershaw, Sandy Koufax, the hyped prospect. So guys like uh, <laughs> Harper, Griffey, Bryant. Felix P.A. Sure. But there's just nothing better than seeing it. Uh, rumors of a prospect coming up. Mm-hmm. You're going through this now with... Um, Mankata, yeah. Kopech. A little more Mankata. But uh, there's just nothing better. If, you're, if your team's not doing well, or if a guy's just like Harper, is hyped since he was a teenager, uh, it's just the best. Jackie Robinson, 6, Tony Gwynn, Greg Maddox, Lou Gehrig, Bo Jackson, and 10, Ken Griffey Jr. And uh, I love Griffey as noted in the home run robbery reason. Um, but there's also my favorite baseball video ever created is when they retired his number with uh, the Mariners. Mm-hmm. And uh, it encompasses so much of why I love baseball. So we're going to play a clip from that right now. Once a generation, a player comes along who not only excels at the game of baseball, he transforms it. The babe, Jackie, hammering Hank, the say hey kid, and then there's Junior. Welcome to the show, Ken Griffey Jr. The backwards cat, the beaming smile, and that swing. It was poetry. What a swing by Junior. That brings goosebumps to me. Ken Griffey Jr was baseball for 22 seasons. We look forward to seeing something special every time that he took the field. And he delivered. Perfect timing! (laughs) I don't believe it! You know why? He has all those gold gloves now. Who can forget hip-hop hooray? The menacing waggle of that dark-stained bat. Who can forget the first pitch he saw in the kingdom? 
Who can forget the sprint on Edgar's double that turned the Northwest baseball crazy? It's a long road from Seattle to Cooperstown. It winds some 2,400 miles through big cities and small towns. At every stop along the way, there's a Ken Griffey Jr. story. On little league fields across the country, every kid wanted to be the kid. At major league ballparks, big leaguers marveled at the magic for two decades. Oh, that may have hit the warehouse and they announced it did. His outstanding offense was rewarded in silver and his dazzling defense in gold. He's one of only eight members of the 600 Home Run Club. And he did it the right way. Junior transcended the game. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Ken Griffey Jr. Ken. I picked Ken Griffey Jr. Huh. It's Ken Griffey Jr., man. He even ran for president. We need a man in the White House who can hit a Mark Lakeson overhand curveball. Ken Griffey Jr. put Seattle baseball on the map and in our hearts. And though he will live forever in Cooperstown, his first baseball home will always be here. Our beloved Dave Niehaus said it often, and he said it best. Junior, you are unbelievable! Oh, me! I just don't see him any better. Curtain call for Junior. Standing ovation. He's got the ability to rise to the occasion. Yeah, that's an amazing video. We got uh, chills even as we speak. Uh, reason 46. Thanks for taking up 10 um, with your list there. Uh, I will go uh, with left-handed power headers. I love, uh, you know, Griffey swing, Bond swing. I think there's just something special about uh, a left-handed power swing. So much so that uh, I'm teaching my two-year-old son, Benson, to swing left-handed. Cody Bellinger. Yeah, Cody Bellinger, such a fluid motion. Um, and I know if if you don't like baseball and you're listening to this, that sounds nerdy, <laughs> but I, I think it'll just grow on you over time. Uh, a couple other uh, player-related ones. I went a little bit different direction than you. Unathletic players, to me, are awesome. So I think of a guy like Bartolo Colon, who last year was 42 years old, 5'11", 285 pounds, had no business playing any sport professionally besides maybe like sumo wrestling and yet was an above average major league starter. I think he won 
Hit a home run in a major league yeah, game. Yeah, hit a home run, won 15 games, sub-4 ERA, uh, plus-3 war. Um, so just an amazing accomplishment. And there's all sorts, you know, think of like Bob Wickman, Joe Borowski for the Cubs, just these guys that... Cecil Field, I mean, hitters too. Cecil yeah, Fielder, Prince Vaughan. Fielder. Yeah. So I just love that type of player. Uh, and then 48, um, I'll go with the unbelievably narrowly specialized player. So uh, think of a guy like Lenny Harris, who was a pinch hitter in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s for a bunch of different teams. But um, literally all he got paid to do was come in in the 7th, 8th, or ninth inning in a key situation and get a hit. Like That was his role, and he was getting paid millions of dollars to do it. Um, and you talk about you know like a situational lefty, too. They're getting paid to come in and face one, two batters tops. Um, I think that's just such an interesting role. Uh, all right, the last three I had for this category. Michael Jordan, he is number 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. The best basketball player ever uh, devoted two years of his prime to baseball. It's enough said mm-hmm. when, when comparing the two sports. <laughs> uh, and then my last two were both announcers. Vince Scully, who we talk about a lot on the podcast. He's just an all-around great guy and has a lot of famous calls. We played one earlier with the um, Kurt Gibson home run. Uh, but my favorite call of Scully's is the Hank Aaron uh, home run call. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. What a marvelous moment for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And then my last one on the list is Pat Hughes, a Cubs radio broadcaster. This one's personal for me. And my favorite clip from Pat Hughes, of course, is when the Cubs won the 2016 World Series. A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. The Cubs come pouring out of the dugout, jumping up and down like a bunch of delirious 10-year-olds. The Cubs have done it. The longest drought in the history of American sports is over, and the celebration begins. Uh, Two more for me in this category, 53 and 54. I love the diversity in players in Major League Baseball right now. So, you know, the, there aren't a ton of African Americans, 8%, but baseball is uh, nearing uh, 50% non white or non Caucasian players, which I think is pretty neat in our day and age. Even though it's an American sport, you have large numbers of Hispanics and Asians and black players playing. Well, it's not, it's not an American sport. It was invented in America. I mean, I mean. It's, a, it's a Cuban sport, it's a Puerto right. Rican yeah, yeah. sport, it's a Venezuelan sport. Yep. And then the last one for this category for me is the fact that players that, you know, don't perform great in college or high school still have a chance given the the number of draft picks. So two specific examples, uh, I think of Kevin Kiermeyer, who went to nearby Parkland College, uh, got drafted in the 31st round uh, and goes on to win a gold glove. Mark Burley gets drafted 38th round, 
you know, went to a, a small rural uh, junior college in Missouri. Just those types of stories I think are really neat. All right, moving on to our last category, miscellaneous. So this encompasses 46. Mm-hmm. I think we're at 54. So yeah, 46 miscellaneous. Um, and this should go a lot faster. The first one, baseball movies. And we heard from a lot of uh, listeners that this was uh, one of their favorite things about baseball. Uh, my personal favorites, we did the Mount Rushmore's of baseball movies last week, but uh, my personal favorites, Moneyball, Field of Dreams, Sandlot, League of Their Own. Zach tweeted at us and said that uh, all the best sports movies are baseball movies. Hmm. Coincidence? No. Hashtag The Natural, hashtag Field of Dreams, hashtag Bull Durham, hashtag Pride of the Yankees. Wow. Which, Field of Dreams is the only one on that list that I have seen. So that, that kind of shows that um, there's a lot of depth in the baseball movie category. Garrett emailed us and said that um, the James Earl Jones montage from Field of Dreams mm-hmm. was uh, one of his favorite things about baseball. And he said, no matter how stressful life gets or what changes or challenges get thrown my way, I remember this monologue that we'll listen to right now. Ray, people will come, Ray. They come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They turn up your driveway, not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your door as innocent as children, longing for the past. Of course, we won't mind if you look around, you'll say. It's only $20 per person. They'll pass over the money without even thinking about it. For it is money they have and peace they like. Ray. Just sign the papers. And they'll walk out to the bleachers. Sit in shirt sleeves on a perfect afternoon. They'll find they have reserved seats somewhere along one of the baselines. Where they sat when they were children and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game. And it'll be as if they dipped themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick that I have to brush them away from their faces. Ray, when the bank opens in the morning, they'll foreclose. People will come, Ray. You're broke, Ray. You sell now or you lose everything. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. Baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, is a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good, and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Baseball movies are great especially that, that clip there. I agree with Garrett. Uh, another reason I love baseball is the uh, strong regional fan bases throughout America and Canada. It's rare to be a bandwagon baseball fan, or if you are a bandwagon fan, you live in the city where the team is good. So like when the Royals won the World Series a couple years ago, people in Kansas City became Casey fans, but you know, it would be really weird for someone in Illinois to jump on that bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And I think that's different than other sports. Yep. The Cubs bandwagon has thinned out a bit this year. <laughs> Rapid fire here. Uh, baseball hats are great. Yep. 
uh, I assume baseball hats were invented for baseball. Yeah, I would assume so. Or the military. It's the best sports accessory. Oh, absolutely. There's just like the headband. It's probably basketballs. Or the shorts. Do you count the shorts? As, Maybe. That's part of the uniform. Football, like there's nothing. You're talking uh, accessories? Accessory, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Catching a ball at a game is great, and there's no equivalent in any other sport, uh, except maybe like catching a field goal that goes past the net in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, first pitches, again, no equivalent in other sports. Uh, you know, you're starting the game off um, with a, like a celebrity first pitch, and it exposes people. Right. You know, you're either good at throwing a baseball, or you're not. And I think of George W.'s 2001 mm-hmm. World Series pitch after 9/11. Uh, even Obama, like a lot of hype around that pitch to see. If he can throw a baseball. Yep, I agree. That's why the Donald won't throw it. Uh, I think 59, playing catch. One of my favorite things to do. Uh, it's like the equivalent of pickup basketball for baseball. If you got two gloves, you can you can play catch. It's a very simple act. Uh, Fridays at Wrigley Field is reason number 60. I just love it because you get the rest of the weekend to kind of relax and recover from your trip to Chicago. Mm-hmm. A few quick ones for me. Uh Mid-market teams have a chance. There's great parity in Major League Baseball. You played that clip earlier of uh, the Mariners beating the Yankees back in 95. Uh, There's all sorts of examples like that where uh, the size of your city or the size of your budget doesn't necessarily mean you'll be successful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Organic international growth. Baseball has a unique flavor in places like Cuba, Asia, uh, South, South Korea, and Japan. In Latin America, London, right? <laughs> July Fourth, home run derby, Justin Bieber concert. Yeah, but that's actually you know the, the a bad example here because I love that it's not necessarily Major League Baseball oh, yeah. forcing itself on those places, <laughs> but it just kind of sprung up uh, organically. The Bieber concert's like the definition of forcing. Yes, <laughs> yes, and then uh, I think the MLB season is perfectly suited for road trips to go see your favorite team. You know, you get to see your team play three or four times as opposed to just like uh, one shot. A few more quick ones. Uh, Barry Bonds, 2004 season. He was 39 years old in 2004. He had a 609 on base percentage, 812 slugging percentage, 45 home runs, won his fourth straight MVP award. Fun fact here, if he never got a hit, his OBP would still be in the top 10 for the league. So you take away all his hits that year. He got literally out every single time he put the ball in play. Uh, his OBP would still be in the top 10 because he was walked so much. That's amazing. So I know steroids cloud it, but uh, uh, it's the best. Another one that's tainted by steroids, the 1998 home run race. I still have very fond memories of that race, McGuire, Sosa. It was just fun. It was fun to follow that um, sports center every night. You were, you were watching to see if there was home runs hit. Even though it's tainted, I, I still have fond memories of that. Uh, my favorite stats, on-base percentage and war. Yeah, I enjoy both of those. If you give me a player's on-base percentage and his war, I feel like I can tell you if he's a good player. Hawk, Hawk would disagree with you. Oh, of but... course. He'll be featured later. Um, the 2004 ALCS, um, when the uh, Red Sox came back from 3-0 to beat the Yankees. Uh, outside of hockey, this is the only time a team has come back from 3-0 to win a best-of-seven series in any sport. And it had, I think it, it had to be the Red Sox against the Yankees, like the, probably the mm-hmm. best rivalry in baseball. Uh, the Yankees had tortured the Red Sox for years, you know, after the whole Babe Ruth thing and just years and years and years of misery for the Red Sox to come back 3-0. I can't imagine how much fun that was for Red Sox fans to experience that. 
Yep. Uh, three quick ones and a little bit longer one for me. Uh, retro uniforms are amazing. My favorites, uh, 83 White Sox and then the 1970s Astros. Mm. I, had a, I had a Mount Rushmore of retro gear. The White Sox, the Brooklyn Dodgers, the Royals, and the Expos. Hmm, that's solid. Uh, so retro uniforms, no no hard salary cap. I enjoy that where the market uh, kind of sets the value for players, mm. and you don't have to like. You agree with LeBron? I do agree with LeBron uh, about that at least. And then uh, spring training, it's probably a little overhyped, but I still think it's a really uh, cool thing. And then the longer one for me. The cast of weird, funny characters in baseball is is really neat. So you, you know, you talk about guys like even Joe Madden nowadays, but Lou Pinella, Harry Carey, Hawk, Ozzy Guillen, and that's just you know in Chicago, Yogi Berra with the Yankees, just all sorts of people like that that I think make the game so colorful and, and fascinating. And we actually have a clip here of uh, Harry Carey talking about his hatred for Cracker Jacks because of a childhood memory. I don't know what the big deal about Cracker Jack is. Did you ever go buy a pack of Cracker Jack thinking you'd get a prize and find no prize <laughs> in the box? Here's the pitch. That might not sound important to some people, but when, you, when you're a little kid, especially from humble origin, and they cheat you out of a prize, there's a bouncing ball. Second baseman has the Barbary over the first. It's hard to think in laudatory terms of the product. <laughs> I Super think if there was an occasional box of Cracker Jacks that found no prizes for uh, the, the for the little Harry Carey many years ago. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> that boy went a box of Cracker Jack to me meant a lot of money. Here's the pitch bounce foul. That's the most asinine marketing I've ever heard of. One ball, one strike. These guys say, well, you you sing about Cracker Jack. I said that I only sing it because it's in the song. Here's a pitch foul back. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised, even to this day, some youngsters who buy a box of Cracker Jack don't find a prize in the box. One ball, two strikes, two out. Well, if you're going to talk about our congressman being crooked, here's a pitch foul out of play. Why not talk about commercial products that don't do what they represent to do? That was a, a pretty great find. Mm -hmm. uh, relating Cracker Jacks to politicians. I appreciated that. Yeah, I, I find Harry to be uh, somewhat off-putting most of the time, but that was hilarious. All right, uh, we've got how many left here? Uh, about 30. Um, we'll get there. Yes, eventually. Um, baseball after 9-11. I know you mentioned it earlier, but I'll use a specific here. A couple moments that I remember. Uh, Sammy Sosa carrying the flag around the bases at Wrigley Field after a home run. Um, Mike Piazza hit a big home run at Shea Stadium, and then um, in the World Series that year, George Bush's first pitch, a strike right down the middle. The 2016 World Series, especially Game 7, I think one of the best games of all time. Very, very high on my list. The last day of the 2011 regular season, 
I think the best day in regular season history. If you remember the Braves collapse, the Cardinals made the playoffs and eventually won the World Series because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Red Sox lost to the Orioles and then the uh, Rays beat the Yankees, right? Mm-hmm. All in like a matter of a, a, a few hours. So uh, a lot going on that day. Um, and I remember that uh, in college. I remember following that in my uh, in my dorm room. A couple uh, quick ones for me. Uh the father-son bond that is formed. We mentioned earlier kind of the family aspect, but there's just a really neat uh, bond that's developed between fathers and sons. Another one for me is that uh, in baseball, I feel like awfulness is a little bit easier to swallow with your team. Like um, the Cubs were the laughable losers for so long. And yeah, it wasn't fun if you were a Cubs fan, but part of it was almost enjoyable seeing your team uh, be so bad for so long. And uh, I've experienced, you know, with the Bulls in recent years, it that, that doesn't translate well to the NBA. Like, it's hard for me to watch bad basketball. But for some reason, I still like watching bad baseball. That's a good point. Baseball takes place in one year, one calendar year. So it's very easy when referencing. Mm-hmm. So you can say the 2013 Cubs or the 2004 Red Sox. You know exactly what I'm talking about, where um, other sports take place over two years making it very hard to, to know what you're referencing. It also takes place in um, six months exactly. So the end of June is the halfway mark. You know that because it's been three months, April, May, June. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like how it starts. Kind of the beginning of April ends at the end of September. It's just a very clean start and end to the, the baseball season. Yep. Uh, I really uh, like you know the specific sounds of baseball. So like crack of the bats, ball hitting glove, Chatter of the fans, all of that, I really enjoy. All right, I think we're up to 80, so just 20 left. Uh, the fantasy baseball, uh, really enjoy following baseball and stats that way. The MLB at bat app, this is not a promo. <laughs> I really enjoy the app, really enjoy watching and listening to baseball on that app. Cooperstown, New York, is a magical place. Mm-hmm. We've been there a couple of times, uh, most recently, 2014. Yep, when Thomas was inducted. Thomas and... Uh, Maddox and Larusa, Bobby Cox. Yep. Um, so Cooperstown, New York, definitely one of my favorite things about baseball. The Yankees' dominance and, and hatred of them because of that dominance. So they've won 27 titles. Uh, again, we're talking since 1903 is when the World Series started. They've won 27 times. The next team is the Cardinals. You know how many titles they have? 12? 11. So it's just a huge difference between yep. the, the top team and and the, the next one. And uh, especially in the 90s, the Yankees were fun to hate because of that dominance. Mm-hmm. The 90s Braves, especially their pitching staff, guys like Glavin, Maddox, Smoltz, Denny Nagel, Mike Hampton, Steve Avery, and they, they were the best. And each did it from a different angle. You know, like Glavin was the lefty, um, kind of crafty, had the cutter. Maddox was just, you know, a control freak and was into the mental side of, of baseball. Mm-hmm. Smoltz is more of a power pitcher. Yeah. Became a closer later in his career. And then you had the, the, the really good kind of fringe guys like Denny Nagel and Steve Avery. The closers too, uh, Mark Wollers and John Rocker, just a really fun mm-hmm. team. And uh, they won the World Series in 95, but other than that, they were kind of a disappointment because they made it the playoffs every year but couldn't win a, a World Series. I agree with all those. Uh, the fact that major league managers – grown men or in some cases elderly men have to wear the same uniform <laughs> as the players is awesome uh i love the glove as well it's the most uh personal uh sports 
item, I think. You know, you customize mm. it, you manicure it, you sort of protect it. I think that's really cool. A basketball would be, like if you have your own basketball that you take to the playground and stuff. Yeah, but even that, you know, is going to look pretty similar to other basketballs. But yeah. like your glove is pretty unique to yourself. It's true. And then another one, and this is kind of around baseball stadiums, but uh, going to the ballpark really uh, kind of accentuates your love for the city you're in or helps you get to know the city you're in. A lot of ballparks are like tucked away in neighborhoods like Wrigley. So obviously you're you're kind of learning what the neighborhood is like or even if it's not like where the White Sox play, you're still um, getting to see the skyline. You're still kind of soaking in the, the city you're in, your outdoors. So all of that I think kind of accentuates your knowledge or your love for the city that you're in. Uh, yep, the trade deadline, big one for me. I still remember where I was when the Cubs got no more in 2004. Didn't work out the way we wanted, but uh, fun nonetheless. Uh, baseball books, mm-hmm. uh, my favorites, uh, Moneyball, Are We Winning by Will Leach, uh, The Soul of Baseball about Buck O'Neill and the Negro Leagues, and then The the Only Rule is It Has to Work by Sam Miller and Ben Lindbergh. Uh, number 90 on the list, uh, baseballreference.com. Uh, an amazing resource. My love for baseball would not exist without Baseball Reference. Mm-hmm. I, I love it so much. And like uh, baseball, similar to baseball, um, there's so much more to explore, you know, kind of once you get into it, like the play index, there's just a lot of stuff you can run kind of through that website. So Baseball Reference, uh, a huge thing for me. Uh, a Perfect Game, number 91. Um, only 23 perfect games in the history of baseball, and no pitcher has thrown more than one. Uh, the last one was 2012 by uh, King Felix. I think that's just a really cool thing. Only one in the playoffs, Don Larson, in the 50s in the World Series. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, I think, needs to to get one mm-hmm. to cement his legacy, even though he's a great pitcher already. Similar to the perfect games, four home run games, only 17. Scooter. In the history of baseball, yep, Scooter Jeanette was the last one uh, in 2017, but the the one before that, uh, all the way back in 2012, and uh, similar to the perfect games, no hitter has done a four-home run game twice. Um, And even with Scooter Jeanette, he's a good example of a bad baseball player can have a great night, Mm -hmm. and I love how that kind of happens in uh, in baseball more than other sports. Baseball-related Wikipedia pages. And an example that I'll use is Old Host Radborn. <laughs> According to his Wikipedia, he grew up in Bloomington, Illinois. It's also where he ran a saloon after he retired and is buried. Bloomington is the place of Paul's employment. Hmm. So you should uh, take a lunch trip out to Old Haas's yeah, I didn't realize uh, that. Um, tombstone. But his stats are crazy. 1884, he won a record 59 games. Mm-hmm. 59 wins as a pitcher that included 678 innings pitched and uh his wikipedia also tells me that he got into a fight with a teammate and uh they think that's where the term charlie horse came from wow so baseball related wikipedia pages are awesome because you kind of go down a rabbit hole of uh, a links within a, a player's page or a person's page um, big fan of of baseball wikipedia yeah, one of the last ones for me here, uh, I think the the everyday nature of the baseball season uh, means that you get the most raw or most honest post-game commentary from players and coaches. And uh, I've got an audio clip here from Hal McRae, who was a manager for the Royals back in the 80s. And uh, yeah, you can hear the emotion come through in the clip. 
I didn't want to get myself into a situation where uh, all I had to go after him was all right, and our lefts were swinging the bat, bats well, so I wanted my left-handed hitters to hit. Did you consider uh, Brett for Miller with the bases loaded in the seventh? No, no, don't ask me all these stupid-ass questions. No. And, and, and the all these stupid-ass questions every night. Find the I hit Brett for because this is a podcast you're only getting the audio there but hal also threw a phone uh in his office in the midst of that yeah apologize to any uh kids listening <laughs> all right uh i am not sure exactly where we're at here on this list I think we're at 94 so, okay i'm gonna give about six or seven more and hopefully that's 100 uh baseball writing um, I mentioned books earlier, but also baseball writing on the internet or in newspapers. A uh, favorite of mine uh, is Sam Miller, who used to write for Baseball Prospectus, and now is with ESPN. And uh, in Sam Miller's last chat on Baseball Prospectus last fall, someone asked him, what do you enjoy most about baseball? And uh, I thought it would be a good idea to share what he yeah. said there. He said, I think what I love most about baseball is how it starts every day right as work is close to ending. Uh, he's in the uh, California. So he says, I love four or five Pacific times. I love a ton about baseball, but more than anything, I love the feeling I get at four or five Pacific time every single day. Yeah, that's great. I think we all can relate to that feeling for us. It's like six or seven mm-hmm. when, when games start. So after work, but for him four or five. So that's 95. You're saying Paul, mm-hmm. uh, 96, the yips. Chuck Knobloch, John Lester, there's a few others, but uh, just not being able to throw it to first base adds uh, adds a ton of drama. Uh, 97, opening day. Yeah. One of the best days of the year. Holiday. Joy springs eternal for every major league team. Convince yourself as a fan that um, you can sneak into the playoffs if mm-hmm. you're bad. And if, if you're good like the Cubs, you convince yourself it's going to be a dynasty. Just nothing better than seeing a packed stadium uh, all across baseball. And that's uh, kind of a, a national deal, too. One of the, the last few things where, like, th- everyone recognizes baseball. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm going to close it out here. Are you done, Paul? Yeah, I think I'm I'm zapped. Okay, three more. Uh, baseball on TV, number 98. We've talked about this a lot on the podcast. We've actually reviewed 26 baseball-themed uh, TV episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, our favorite, I think, collectively is Seinfeld. We did a whole month on Seinfeld. And the, my favorite clip is not one that I can play because there's swearing from George and the Astros execs. Uh, but I will play uh, my second favorite, uh, Kramer and uh, a, a child um, that needs uh, Paul O'Neill to hit some home runs. What if I get Paul O'Neill to hit a home run tomorrow just for you? Really? Paul O'Neill would do that? For you, he would. Could he hit two home runs? sure kid yeah but then you gotta promise you'll do something for me i know get out of this bed one day and walk again yeah that would be nice but i really just need to go the last two here are are a bit lighthearted. so hawk harrelson infamous white Sox announcer Mm -hmm. and brian kenny uh uh, sabermetric guy host of a show on mlb network had a discussion a few years ago and i feel like it was uh kind of a, a lens and a, a specific point in history 
when there was like this old school, new school debate going on. And uh, I don't think we'll ever be able to recapture the entertainment um, in in that interview. Uh, you should go watch it on YouTube if you haven't. Um, we're going to play a, a quick clip here. I will say, you know, the old school um, versus new school in terms of like sabermetrics and, and stats, that sort of thing, is, is um, I think, good in baseball. Like I would find myself more on like the sabermetric mm-hmm. new school stuff. But I'd be lying if I said I didn't care about a hitter hitting 400 or a pitcher winning uh, 20 games in a season or uh, the triple crown. Or even, you know, what a guy looks like. Like there's just... Yeah. The... Like, yeah, Javi Baez is fun to watch play baseball. Right. And you can't really define that by the numbers. Again, I'm, I'm more new school, but I think there is something too old school. And I think there's been a trend recently. Like the Royals won the World Series in a lot of like old school, put the ball mm-hmm. in play, speed, contact sort of right. approach yeah. to baseball. Here is a, a section of the famous Hawk Brian Kenny debate. Hawk, all right, you say, uh, you know, uh, one thing I don't get is wouldn't you want as much information as possible, even as a manager, just to know who you're dealing with, how often a guy walks, how often he swings, all those things. Wouldn't you want to know everything possible? Well, the more numbers and the more information you bring into the game, the more instincts you take out of the game. It's just that simple. Well, you no, can, no, but a general manager. They are inundated, are inundated with, I think, too much and sometimes you get bogged down. This is a kid's game. It always has been. It always will be. And it's a game of that TWTW, the will to win. And you can't put those. You can't put numbers on those things. You take a guy like Jake Peavy. You take a guy like Paul Canerco. These guys have that TWTW. They want to win. And it shows and, in their uh, performance. The irony huh? of this thing. Huh? The irony of this thing, though, is last year, Bob Melvin did a great job because he got that club with the TWTW. They had the will to win, and that's the reason they won, what, 94 balls? Yeah, but you need, to ref- you need to try to measure the performance. The will to win is terrific, but if you're gritty and gutty and it's not turning into bases and runs or preventing runs, it's, it's of very little value. Don't you want to just measure the performance? The performance is W. That's a performance. Yeah. It's W. And but again, you do that with production. pitching and defense. Right, but isolating you do that with production. pitching. Mm-hmm. Brian, you no, do no, it with pitching uh, and defense. No, you're right. Okay? You bring That's up, the say, name you, of this game. You bring up Paul Canerco. His value comes from a, a myriad of things, including his batting average, his ability to draw a walk, and his hitting for power. You would want to measure these things as closely as possible. And then when you have enough Paul Canercos, you win. You score more runs. You need to isolate the production and find out what each individual guy is doing it. Why wouldn't you want to know well, why who's don't you, responsible where, for you that? Didn't mention, you didn't mention one of the, his most prized assets, and that's leadership. Where does that come in? Where do you put a number on that? Where that, do you put a number on J.P. The, getting out there and pitching and throwing 125 pitches, 130 pitches? He gets credit for every, 20, inning, every inning, every strikeout. He gets credit. That's a statistic. It's a metric. Well, stri- again, it's the will to win, Brian. I love in that, uh, that clip when uh, Hawk says, uh, how do you measure when Jake Peavy gets out there and throws 120 pitches? <laughs> it's like you're quoting a stat specifically. So we've got one left here. Uh, Paul, before we give that, would you like to, to say anything? No, this has been fun. Uh, if you're still listening, thanks for, for tagging along. And if we missed anything, for sure, uh, email us, tweet us, text us. Uh, we don't want to miss anything ourselves. So yeah, We've watched baseball for 26 years, but I'm sure there are things that, that we've missed out on, so let us know. Footinthebox.com uh, or at a foot in the box on Twitter. All right, closing us out here, Brian Cranston, big baseball fan. In 2014, he did a, a playoff promo for TBS, and uh, it's hilarious. One of our favorite things um, to watch every now and again. And we are going to play that clip as we close out episode 100 of the Foot in the Box podcast. Thank you so much for listening, 
and uh, appreciate it and hope you have a great rest of the week. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jack. I don't care if I never get back. It's root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three stripes, you're out! At the old ball game.